Hello, welcome to another episode of Conscious-ish, the podcast, or if you're watching on YouTube, the video podcast. I call this podcast Conscious-ish because I believe as human beings, we are always on a journey to become better people, to evolve. So we're always in a state of conscious-ishness. Today on the podcast, I'm talking to Bria Shah, who is the founder and executive director of The Simple Good. The Simple Good is a nonprofit organization whose mission is to connect the meaning of good from around the world and empower youth to bring positivity into their communities through art and discussion. I'm reading from their website here, but I really like this thing. So through social emotional learning and mindfulness-based art, programming and public art projects, we transcend the messages that no matter where you go in the world, good means the same to all of us. And that is what connects us all as human beings. On top of that, Bria is an author. She's a TEDx speaker. She's a model, Forbes 30 under 30 finalist. Um, and let's not forget, she was also a former basketball star. So I wanted to talk to Bria about how her life shaped her work the challenges that she's had to face and overcome and how she finds joy today. So let's talk to Bria. I wanted to start with uh, a quote that I read and that I thought was very interesting. And it's, um, well, actually two quotes. So one is every child is an artist. The problem is how to remain an artist once we grow up and that's um, Picasso. And then another one is the purpose of art is to lay bare the questions which have been hidden by the answers. And that's by the iconic James Baldwin. So I felt like both of those were really, like really related to your work with The Simple Good and, you know, kind of what exactly the purpose of The Simple Good is. So I definitely want to talk about that. Um, but first, I want to kind of go start from the beginning and and ask you, you know, how did you, how did you find out you were an artist or how did you yeah, realize you were an artist? Yeah, I think, you know, like that quote said, we're all actually born artists, but um, growing up, you know, I had um, the privilege to have a talent to know how to draw. And I really was something that I've always had done since I was a little baby. And so, you know, everybody around me just kind of deemed me the artist in the family. Um, so okay. much so that I, kind of hated it when I was getting into high school and I was a good drawer and everybody make me do their assignments for them. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like, you know, that was my uh, typical understanding of what an artist was until I started really understanding that, you know, being an artist is a lot more beyond, you know, what you create as well. It's, you know, the courage to create in general. So you can be an artist in so many different ways, you know. Yeah, I mean, so uh, your your family and everyone were like pretty pretty supportive, obviously, of of your art, you know, dreams, or were they like because I think you you ended up pursuing a completely different field, right? Like when you went to school. Yeah, how did that I mean, happen? well, um, you know, my yeah, my family were always knew that I was an artist, but I also knew, you know, that probably wasn't going to be something that would be an easy thing to do um, growing up. So I actually wanted to be a broadcasting journalist growing up. Oh. And then I found out how hard that might be. <laughs> um, and, you know, in retrospect, looking back, I should have just done it anyway, because I'm kind of <laughs> to what I originally wanted to do growing up. Um, 
but I ended up actually studying business after doing a lot of international volunteer work um, abroad. So I worked at Mother Teresa's Orphanage and I was in slums in South Africa and Brazil. And that's really where I saw like the gap between business and the social sector and how they really needed each other to work with each other um, in order to create sustainable solutions um, in communities with their, you know, needs a lot of support. You know, there are two groups of people that needed to work with each other, but they didn't speak the same language. And so they never found a way to make that work. And so I realized from those experiences that not many people in this world get to go to university. You know, it's very much of a privilege to have that expectation and opportunity. So I decided to study business so that eventually in some way I can bring that back, you know, to the communities and the work that I was really passionate about. Wow. That's like, that's, that's like very, like you had really good foresight. Like, I mean, when I was in college, I was like, I have no idea what I want to do. I'm still like, I don't know what I want to do half the time. But I wanted to talk about your experience at the orphanage at Mother Teresa's because I, I feel like that was such an interesting like part of your story that I heard about. But I want you to tell it here too, because I think it's like just really cool. And your your experience with the kids there and how it changed you. Yeah, it was such an impactful experience and really what is set this, like planted the seed to start doing what I'm doing because um, it really had a profound impact on how I was also living. Um, so I, you know, got invited to come to the orphanage, do some work. And, you know, it's a very intimidating space for a lot of people. A lot of people in our group decide not to opt into this option because it is very overwhelming. You know, you have a space where there are children that have been through more um, in the short period of time on this earth than most of us have, right? And yet they're in here and, you know, still trying to live life. And what I learned was that, you know, they really had this strong ability to uh, recognize beauty in other people as well as um, around them and had that skill set to acknowledge it, you know, and that is what really kept them resilient, knowing that there was good in the world and they knew how to notice it and capture it. And that allowed them to understand that there's a life worth living, right? And that is something that made me like kind of reflect and, you know, kind of think about like, what am I complaining about? You know, like I was dealing with a lot growing up in my community, you know, like being the only person that really looked like me in my community, you know, being a woman is very oppressive forever in this world. And then I'm also born with one hand. So I was getting so many different obstacles growing up. And I always thought like, why is this world so hard? You know, why are there so many obstacles? And what I realized was that, you know, you're not born into the world with obstacles, people really create them. But because of that, you know, you can still overcome them. And so it was really about acknowledging, you know, the good that was within me already and was already around me that I needed to embrace despite the world telling me like what I didn't have, right? And I realized like I'm an artist, you know, I can use that to impact and bring happiness to other people and, you know, positively impact things around me. Even if I just like created them a little flower and I gave it to somebody like that has an impact. And that's a power that I can do to really like move myself in the world. Um, and it just made me like really change my trajectory like my attitude myself how I saw myself and it really has led me to be where I'm at now and I felt very passionate about getting other kids like me to understand you know their assets the good that's already there so that they can really build resilience and overcome the things that 
you know, society tells them that they're not. Um, so that has, yeah, it was that one small moment that led into something so much larger. <laughs> that, I mean, that's so amazing. And it's so true because like, no matter what, you know, we, I think just as human beings that we're just wired to, to like just be so selfish in our like just naturally until we like open our minds like we're just kind of like oh woe is me I don't have this or we compare ourselves to people who have more where you're seeing these children in an orphanage in India who are like you know really have nothing and they're 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 happy and they're finding joy and they're they're and it's like what is wrong with me you know, like even today, like, I mean, not today, but like, even now I'll, I'll have these periods where I'm just like, uh, I have to like fight my every day to like, not just be bitter about like just something. I'll just be like, so irritated and whatever. And then I have to like, remind myself, like, you know, get it into reality, like be grateful for the things you have. You know, I have to like, I, I have to like make a, like a real effort to do that because my, my mind naturally goes to like, just being like, uh, you know, mm -hmm. and I just, I remember, remember that story that when I read about what, you know, your, when I read about your story and it always like brings me back to that, like, just be grateful and that's going to bring you joy and happiness, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think it's natural for us to always want more. Um, but what we need to really understand is that we want to actually develop and we want to understand the world more. We don't need things to do that, right? So I think society has subscribed that, oh, you know more if you have more. You actually have, you know more when you have less, right? And because it really declutters your mind to understand something beyond all that noise and really discover who you are in a deeper level. And that's really what, you know, creates fulfillment and allows us to navigate like our possibility. Um, so yeah, I make, yeah. It's a combination of what society tells us and our own kind of bias towards that. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. So going back to like society. So you mentioned that you were born with one hand and like, I'm going to be honest, even I wanted to ask you, like, how should I refer to it? Like, um, is there like a name or anything like you should call it like being born with one hand? Like, is there something that like people call it? Is it like what? Because I like I, um, I was actually scared to even ask that question because I felt like I don't want to be like rude or whatever. But then I heard I, I heard you in another podcast where you said if somebody is you'd rather somebody just ask you than just be weird about it because that makes you feel weird. And you're like and I was like, wow, that's a totally different perspective, because I would think that, you know, like when you're pregnant or maybe you haven't had a kid yet, but like when you're pregnant, like everyone in the world feels like entitled to know everything about your pregnancy and like they'll put their hands on your belly and I felt like it might be just as intrusive to ask somebody about like you know if you if you see something and you're like oh that's different like what happened or like what's going on I feel like maybe some people would take that like as um like just invading their space but you don't feel that way well okay. I think the challenge with like when people don't know something about you they try to make assumptions about you in order to create some sort of understanding and conclusion for themselves. Mm -hmm. And then they will start operating under that assumption, right? Like, oh, she must've gone through an accident or, oh, it must've gotten chopped off. Like really bad things, right? Yeah. That you're applying about my life experience when you could just ask like, oh, you're just born like that. You know, this is a part yeah. of you. Um, and, you know, I think, if you don't be honest and like just ask, it can create a dangerous like rabbit hole of like how you might subconsciously be treating somebody in a negative way. 
um, rather than just kind of being honest and asking like, it's almost like asking who you are, right? And I think the challenge right now is that, you know, I don't call it a disability myself. I just say I'm born with one hand because it's not a disability to me. I do everything. I live life yeah. through the force. Um, do more than most people. <laughs> yeah. I do it like it's not, it hasn't limited me at all. It's really yeah. people's mindsets that try to limit me, you know. So, um, you know, I think it's like important to be just honest about how you view people and the challenges that like society doesn't really show people like me you know, in front of, like, they're starting to now, luckily, but, like, they don't really, and therefore, like, it's shocking to people when they see people that are born differently in this world, and the reality is, is that all people have always been born differently since the history of this world. Nobody is born the same, and, you know, we need to be honest and kind of create a norm around that so that you're not, like, kind of um, creating your assumptions and, you know, applying your biases towards people just because you don't know something. Yeah. So I think, yeah, so I guess if you're, if you're curious, if, if something is, like, you're not sure about, rather than, like, just assume things, you should just, in a very, like, respectful way, maybe ask, you know, just make yeah. it out and open and don't be weird. Yeah, I mean, I mean... <laughs> I'm always open to having a conversation about it because this is who I am and this is who I always will be, you know? So I'd rather yeah. have people know that and know who, me, who I am in a very authentic way. Yeah, and I already knew because I, I knew of you before I actually met you because, well, I guess I should say how I even know you is like originally I heard of you and The Simple Good because um, through my blog, Love Zara, Zara I, uh, I promoted some of the the t-shirts that you guys made so which I think you're wearing one. This one, I, I think, think I wore that one yeah yeah I'll have to find that. I actually was like I, I have all my t-shirts like organized in like a, a, a few dressers so I was like ah oh, I it was last minute and I'm like oh, I can't find it but um I think I wore yeah I wore that one I think I got another one for a different promotion at another time um but I just loved the story and I just loved what you were doing from then and that was like I don't know, like at least three or four years ago, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so then long. we randomly ran in e into each other in the city <laughs> and it was like so fun. It was like my, it was literally the first time I went out in, I don't know how many years and it was just such a great time and you were so cool. It's like, I, it was like, I've known you for my whole life, you know? Yeah, it was so serendipitous <laughs> your friend didn't even realize we hadn't met before. You're like, wait, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. And like, oh, I mean, it was just, yeah, it was just meant to be. So I'm really glad we had a chance to meet and hang. Mm -hmm. um, but okay. So I, I know that like okay so we're, how was as far as growing up like did our I know like our you know society as a whole but also even more so I feel like in like the Daisy South Asian culture we can be a little bit um insensitive to certain things <laughs> did you feel that growing up like did you like did, did did you feel that from the from the community or were people like supportive um and like just treat you normal like everyone else Oh no, you know, brown culture is terrible. And there's a <laughs> lot of work that we really have to do, you know, and be very honest about that because otherwise it's gonna get keep getting passed down. You know, the mm -hmm. it's a very closed-minded culture. It still is, you know, I'm still I still deal with my own family and like my family's friends say things about what my possibility is, no matter what I'm doing mm -hmm. for the world and any type of success I have, you know, there's 
a, still a limitation in their mind, you know, um, whether it's like me getting married or me like, you know, looking good in an outfit or me even modeling, like, it's just like, oh, but, you know, there's always that. Um, and I think that, you know, a lot of that is kind of driving down from your parents and their parents and uh, their assumptions about like what beauty really is and what it means to be perfect. Um, and I think that we as a generation that is exposed to a lot of diversity and a lot of different forms of thought have to retrain our minds so we don't keep, you know, creating those types of obstacles um, for our children as well. Yeah. Did your parents or did you have anybody like in your corner that was always just like, like F them, you know, let's, you know, like look at like all of the amazing things that you're doing, you know, like, or did you kind of have to be your own cheerleader and all that? Um, I think it was a combination of both. I mean, my mom was always very supportive and, you know, she'd tell me, you know, people have it worse than you, you know, you should never let other people try to like feel bad for you because people have worse than you. But of course, at the end of the day, she's my mom and she still feels bad. So, um, but I think it was, you know, what I realized is that within anything that I do, there's going to be somebody that doesn't believe my possibility because they've never seen it before, right? Mm -hmm. And so it is up to me to push myself and not cut myself short, um, to really exercise, try out everything and show people like what is possible. Like I played basketball growing up and, you know, there aren't that many people with one hand that play basketball, but I played for a very long time and I was good. That is awesome. <laughs> yeah, but you know, there are coaches that supported me and there was coaches that tried to cut me because mm -hmm. I had one hand and couldn't see my possibility. And so I think it's like a combination of both. And now that I've grown older and kind of have proven myself in a lot of different realms, you know, there are people that will never allow me to cut myself short, you know, after they've seen these different examples. And those are, um, I mean, incredible people to have in your life. So um, yeah, yeah. So another, I was gonna say another thing you're doing, like, you're, you're, like, you're doing it, like, you're doing so much, like, you're really, like, like your your model, I mean, your modeling campaigns are just like so fire. I I see all of them, and I'm like, oh my god, this is so awesome. And I'm just like, I I personally, I'm always like, you know, second guessing my like I'm working on it, but I'm always like my own worst enemy. And like I just I'm so inspired by you and like by like all of the things that you've accomplished. And I'm I'm curious that like as you've been going, I mean, you, you've been like, kind of just like, I'm doing basketball. I don't care what these people are going to like, try to like cut me. I'm going to start my, you know, the simple good, which I want to talk about more. Um, even though you were working in a corporate career <laughs> and like, did you ever feel like, um, you know, scared or like, how do you like, how did you get like, what gives you courage or what inspires you to like do these things that you want to do? Yeah, that's a great question. I think like, um, Part of it is this fuel, this inner fuel of wanting to prove people wrong, because that's like all I've been born with. You know, ever since I was born, people have always cast a doubt on me. And um, that is a good and bad thing. One, it's like always bad to be doubted, but two, it forced and challenged me to really discover who I was like for myself and not allow other people to tell me that um, because I knew what they were, they were, what they were telling me, I already knew was wrong, right? Because they, they were doubting me. And so it really made me forced like, okay, then who am I? Like, what do I really love? Like, what do I really understand? 
And I think that that has, I've been able to challenge myself to do that earlier as a kid. And that's why, you know, the work that we do is so important is that you have to examine yourself and take that space to really reflect in order to allow that to be the fuel in whatever you want to do, right? Because inherently, the only things that are going to be successful are things that are really true to you. And so it is scary to start stuff. But when you know it's like inherently sitting inside of you, it is an you know personification of you. There's nothing that can really stop it because it's not based on a lie. You know, it's a based on a very true thing that is growing and evolving. Like I said earlier, like we are really meant and wanting to develop and evolve and understand this world better. And so if we find vehicles to do that, we are going to keep pushing, you know, and nothing is going to really stop us because we know this is true. And that's why it's like when you're in a job that you hate, you're like, oh, my God, I cannot go to this and I can't do this, you know, it's because it's not true to you, you know. And so I think the process is always scary because you have people that doubt you or will tell you like, oh, this hasn't been done before. Um, But when you have like that core and foundation of like your why, um, I think, I think you fight through it, like with our, you know what I mean? So that's kind of been my journey. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, I guess that, yeah, once you know, it's, it's the thing that you just need to have done and you'll just need to find the way to get it done or you need to make it happen. That's so, that's so interesting. I feel like, yeah, I mean, the more I, the more I like, the older I get, the more I realize that like all of uh, most, many people, I mean, some people really have like limitations that are like they can't get out of, but like a lot of people just put these limitations on themselves because they just are scared, you know, like probably myself included, but like, I think that's such a great thing to think of is like, you know, find the why, find the thing that you know that you really want to do that's going to bring you joy and make that happen and, and do it. Yeah. Um, and I think it's also important to understand like how, what you represent into the world, people really do see. Right. And sometimes it makes you like self-conscious and I know it happens for me, but it makes it even more important. Right. Cause people want to see examples of hope and they want to see examples of goodness so that they can also bring that into their lives. And so it's almost your responsibility to do what's true to you so that you can also better the lives of other people. And that in turn makes, creates a community that's safe and thriving for you, you know, like even with modeling, I was like nervous about it. And, you know, that whole self-doubt stuff happens. And a lot of it comes from like, you know, me growing up and people telling you everything that you're not and the shame that you should have for what you look like and stuff like that. And I remember like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I want to do, you know what I mean? Like all these things. And I realized like, it's not even about me. It's about my representation in front of people so that it can be normalized. Like I'm not weird or off or anything. I'm a human and people need to see this type of human, you know, more often. And so that it can be normalized and other people like me can also, have an easier life um, because of that. So, you know, just kind of changing and understanding the other side of why you need to do what you're doing. Having like a bigger purpose and impact on others, right? Like not, and not, yeah. Like understanding your why in the, in the grander scheme, like what is the, what is the big purpose? Yeah. I, I totally can um, understand that. And that, that makes sense. The world will receive it. Like when I started the simple good, everyone's like, Oh, that's cute. Or like, Oh, that's, cute and naive type of vibe you know what I mean I'm like no it's not it's actually really critical because there's a lot of 
sadness, depression, and death that happens because we don't find ourselves. And it really starts at a youth age. And so like that deeper introspection is not going to be there in the very beginning because people are quick to make assumptions about mm -hmm. you, you know, and in order for them to really pay attention is your own resilience and longevity in doing what's true to you and like fighting against those. And eventually people see like what your truth is and that's when it becomes really powerful. Yeah, like what's that one saying? It's like, first they laugh at you, then they, I don't know, want to be your friend. I don't know, I don't remember the exact words, but actually that brings me to like, I wanted to talk about The Simple Good because um, I know it started off as kind of a blog, uh, Tumblr blog, photo blog that ended up going viral which gave you kind of like the, like kind of a catalyst to make it into something bigger. So what um, exactly can you just, cause most people, well, a lot of people probably know it, but just to kind of give a, a, everyone a little summary of what exactly is the simple good. What yeah, do you guys do? Sure. So like you said, I mean, it started off with a photo blog that represented different photos of meanings of simple good from around the world. So people's ideas of hope and joy and small notions of goodness in everyday life. So we get photos like of sunsets, acts of kindness, you know, stories of nostalgia, family from literally all over the world. And what you saw was that like, no matter where these pictures came from, good really meant the same to all of us. And that was really connect us, connects us as human beings. And so, you know, that is still our mission today. Um, it's really to connect the meaning of good from around the world to empower youth to become positive activists through art and discussion and let them know that, and also teach that, you know, good really means the same to all of us. It doesn't matter what neighborhood we're from or what we look like. And that's inherently what we're all connected by. And so um, it's now become a uh, eight to 10 week social, emotional learning and mindfulness based arts residency program that we deliver to different schools and nonprofits um, in Chicago and pre-COVID internationally as well. All centered around getting kids to find their meaning of the simple good in their lives to fuel positive activism in the community. So they're really exploring what does good mean within me, right? And around me and around the world in order for me to enact that simple good into my community. And it's really about teaching like how to appreciate those little things and then really understanding how that creates a larger impact on all of us. Um, so, you know, even if it's just like saying hi in the morning, well, how does that make me feel? So then how could that make somebody else feel? And it's really an exercise that all of us should be doing. You know, we work directly with youth, but it's really a movement for us to all just pause and appreciate the little things that are in our lives and really understand how that is what makes, you know, the world go around and makes us move in a little different way. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what we've been doing for the past seven years. Isn't that crazy? Wow. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, so basically through, through the programs, like you become so much more mindful and just that, you know, understanding that you gain from that makes you see the world differently. Yeah, and we go, through, oh, sorry. go ahead. Um, and we use, you know, the trauma recovery process um, within the curriculum. So students that are going through things, especially right now during the pandemic, mm -hmm. when we're all suffering from mental health in some level or another, mm -hmm. um, really supporting that um, you know, behavior and that thought process so that we can teach coping and recovery skills, um, you know, just in life so that we always have those tools to get through things that will always come up. <laughs> so what does that look like? You guys, you're, I know you guys are in, you started in like, I think it was like a third grade class. Do you go like third to, I think you go through high school is that up now or 
Yeah. Is it, are you, and then, sorry, go ahead. What, what does it look like? No, everything you said, we could do third through high school. So um, each of the curriculums are catered towards each grade level. Um, so as we get into high school, it gets a little bit more um, conversation and discussion heavy. Um, but, and, you know, we use different means of art to conduct these and facilitate these dialogues. Um, so anywhere, all visual arts, so painting, drawing, mixed media, and photography. That's awesome. Yeah. I, and I think about a, a lot of the schools that you worked with were like in, in Chicago, like on the South side. And some of those schools maybe didn't even have a lot of the resources to do art programs and things like that. Cause that's the first thing to go, of course, in the budget is, you know, any kind of programs like that. Um, I can just, yeah, I feel like that must be such a, such a exciting thing for the kids. Cause I remember when I was little, like, we had art, but like, the, you know, I, I came from a family with five kids and I, there was this art class that my friend, some of my friends were taking. And my mom was like, nope, that's way too expensive. You're not going to that. It wasn't like a school program. I mean, it was an after school program, but it was a paid thing. And um, I didn't get to do it. And I remember like always being like, you know, that sucks. So I feel like a kid who doesn't have art in school, who's provided this program is probably like, especially if they're inclined towards it, it's probably just like, this is so fun. Like, this is like, it must be such a, a happy moment in their day and just probably going to change their lives. Yeah. I mean, it's been really powerful because at the end of every program, and I think this is what's really unique about our program is that we um, do a final art showcase for our students and we bring them into different creative institutions pre-COVID and we'll continue this afterwards too, um, but different creative institutions that support art and creativity like companies like Google or Threadless or art galleries or universities and do a pop-up art showcase in these spaces um, for the students. Wow. And they showcase their artwork and they present on their meaning of simple good and how they'll use it to change the world. And that's such a powerful piece because one, we're bringing our students into spaces that they wouldn't otherwise be invited to, right? And mm -hmm. two, we're providing them a platform to talk about what is important to them, what does good mean to them, and how they can cultivate change. You know, it's really about giving them the space to really talk about what they want their future to look like and take ownership of that. And to share and exchange artwork to do that, it just shifts like how they even view themselves because they know that their thoughts and ideas are accepted, let alone their art. Um, so, you know, those are things that have been really powerful and stuck with our students so much so like some of them always expect an art showcase now, which is great. Mm -hmm. but, um, yeah, it's like well, also an awesome way for them to understand like how art exists outside of the classroom, right? And you can get a job in this type of uh, creative field. Yeah, I mean, that that's a good, and I'm, that's a good point you mentioned too, is that, you know, bringing kids into these artist spaces, which aren't usually like welcoming to a lot of, you know, I mean, let's be like Frank, you know, a lot of minorities don't feel like they're welcome in, in certain, in certain spaces like that. They're kind of like catered to a certain audience and you may even feel like a little, um, like you may be being watched or you may be, you know, feel like a little out of place at a museum or something. So this is really um, a great way to get people like immersed in there so that they, they're more comfortable in those spaces that they may not have been accepted before. Which leads me to the next question I really wanted to ask you, which is, um, you know, obviously we're, we're living in this very kind of critical time, you know, and COVID just like obviously just 
step that up like another notch but like with everything that's going on with the pandemic with like black lives matter with the me too movement like people are really just getting very like aware and wanting to um be active about and like you know bring these these important issues to justice and get and get you know justice the simple good um believes in active activism through art and discussion um in what ways do you think that that art and discussion actually creates like actual change? And I know it's not probably overnight, but what do you, what, what ways do you think, or do you see it creating change? I mean, art is what has fueled movements in like the history of the world. Um, and that is what engages all humans in understanding perspectives, emotions, and um, conveying, you know, enough energy to move other folks too. So if you think about it, like what did you see in all these protests? They were protest signs and those are forms of art, right? Cause they are different collections of words and images putting together for you to build awareness and also emotion. And just like you were talking about earlier with the Van Gogh Museum, like it creates, it evokes an emotion and a self-realization about how you're part of something larger. And that's what art does. You know, words don't always do that, right? It's always something else that fuels a, a visceral emotion within you that moves you towards something. And every movement has been started by art. If you even like look at music and the like civil rights movement, a lot of those words and um, energies and sounds is what move people to really march together. And that still is the function here today. And so right now, you know, during even in Chicago, we had a huge movement of murals everywhere that conveyed, you know, people's experiences and what they're fighting for. And sometimes, you know, we don't actually listen to each other, right? We actually <laughs> really don't. And art is a way that we can, you know, bring in somebody else's voice without hearing their voice directly, you know, and it's a way to convey a message that you are truly feeling and now encompassing into your own. Um, so it does actually happen pretty fast. I think it's just that we kind of mix it all within the noise and don't know like how art actually influences all of this movement in order for us to understand perspectives and like the direction that we're moving in. Yeah, so it's like a it's like a different vibration change that's happening, like pushing everything in that, in a direction, but we're not like maybe not directly aware of it because it's not like, you know, a speech that we can like read or something that like maybe is just, I don't know, more concrete, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we usually pay attention to how much art influences <laughs> our lives, you know, and if you think about how much it does, like, even from an anthropological perspective, it really is within humans, naturally, like when somebody dies, what do you do? You know, you create a memoriam, which is a collection of flowers, pictures, words, um, symbols that represent yeah. memory, and that comes together to build a homage, which is a form of art. Right. So if you look at a painting, what is that? It's a collection of strokes, colors, meaning, and that comes together and forms a piece of art. So these are all natural things that we all do to create symbolism and meaning. That is just something that we just do. And we don't even recognize that it's art. And that's why it's so inherently a part of us. So when it gets stripped away, it's also a form of control, right? Because now you're controlling somebody's ability to come and be in touch with their soul and feel and develop and grow. And our, our inherent ability is wanting to grow and develop. So if you take that away, then you start controlling folks. 
um, and you know, their ability to express and evolve. And so that's the danger of taking art. Like we should always have it in everything that we do um, because that's how we function as humans, you know? Yeah, and that, while you were saying that, I was also just thinking of how art has been used in a negative way, like with propaganda films and like with propaganda, all that. So it can be used for good or bad, but it is powerful. It is very powerful. Yeah. Um, Wow. Yeah. So uh, speaking of murals, you were talking about the murals that there was a mural with of you. Right. <laughs> and I know you had like you were like you said something that was interesting. Um, yes, I stopped all your interviews <laughs> or before I before today. But you said something interesting, like in the beginning when you saw like you because you had a mural and you were kind of like not I don't know if you said you were embarrassed, but you were you weren't really like taking ownership of like, hey, that's me in that mural. You were just kind of like, kind of hiding it and then yeah. <laughs> recently recently you decided to kind of own it or what happened there yeah there was a there's another mural of me in Bogota by an artist named Stinkfish and so when I went down there to see it I got really embarrassed <laughs> I just like walked away from it <laughs> I was like wait what are you doing like you know let's take a picture and stuff and then I got another opportunity for a mural that happened like several years later, just recently in Chicago. In Chicago, and, yeah. Yeah, and just like, you know, it, it sat a little differently because, you know, not only like it was in my home city, but it's like, I should own this, you know, it's such a blessing to have people recognize you in this beautiful way. And, you know, all these like energies that you're putting into the world, people do see it. Um, and the world does really conspire to support you if it's really true to you. And so I was taking that like as a very much of a symbol of that. And it's like so amazingly touching that like, you know, this could happen. So I'm still like kind of in shock slash still in the <laughs> process of owning it, you know, so. Oh, no, you deserve it. I mean, I just am like so inspired by everything that you're doing. And I feel like you know, the amount of art that you're bringing into the world, you're seeing like, you know, people giving it back to you and just like honoring you through art. I mean, what better way, right? <laughs> yeah, no, I, yeah, I know. Seriously, it's just totally full circle. I, I still have a hard time believing it. <laughs> so, um, okay, so let me see what time is it? Okay, we're actually good on, oh, we're not, let me make sure it's still recording. Since I had that issue, I just wanted to make sure we don't have that. Uh, okay, it's still recording and yes. Okay, good, we're good. Um, Okay, I just realized I have to just do that occasionally. So I make sure that I'm not going to mess up anything later. I'm just going to check one more thing to make sure that the um, okay, that should be fine. All right. Uh, audio is yeah, okay. Okay, there we go. Sorry. We're back. Okay, so um, I just want to ask you some kind of quick fire fun questions just about, you know, a little bit more getting to know you a little more. Um, so it'll just be like, you know, the first thing that comes to mind or like a quick one or two, you know, word answer. Okay. Oh, wait, actually, um, before we do that, uh, I want to, I don't want this to be quick fire because I really want like a, a full answer for me on this. What are some of the ways, cause you do so many things. I mean, you're, you literally are, you're doing so many different things you're, um, at once. How do you like, what are some of the practices you do to kind of stay like balanced? Are you like a meditator? Do you like, you know, do you paint or do you, what do you do to keep balanced and kind of 
centered, especially with all the chaos that's going on and all of the things that you're doing? That is a great question, Zara. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, nothing, I'm going crazy. <laughs> we'll try to figure that out. But um, I think, you know, I, for me, like what's therapeutic and what makes me feel good is like creating things and making things. Um, so I've really been trying to like, make time to focus on doing that and not feel bad about it. That's also like a mental thing that I have to work through. It's like taking time to just do that. So I've been making my own shea butters. I've like been starting to cook and like um, just kind of look into, I'm very spiritual too. So just making time for that too. Um, and I try to do it like, you know, at the end of the day to kind of reset and stuff. And if it's a, like a long night or anything like that, making sure that I'll make time for that in the morning. Um, but making that also a part of my goals or my schedule for the day is like, I'm going to pause to make something. And through that process, I'm kind of reconnecting to myself. Right. And just kind of like having that place for peace within me. So um, yeah, that's what I've been trying to get in the habit of doing and not feel bad about it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's really good. And I want to know how to, is making shea butter like hard? Cause I no, would love no. to learn how to make stuff myself. <laughs> You should come over. I'll show it to you. It's so easy and oh, it's so good yeah. for your skin. It's yeah. like we put so many chemicals, especially as women on our bodies. And, you know, it really impacts us in the long run. It makes us more um, prone to needing more chemicals on us. Yeah. So it's like all natural, it's natural healing. And I had like really dry skin before. Oh my now. God, me too. No, I need, I need to, we need to do this. Um, I want to make a date because I want to learn this. I like, Growing up, like my mom would always put like oil, like olive oil on, you know, our skin and stuff. But I, after I got, you know, older, I just stopped that. And I just started using like creams and lotions. And I use like really natural products and things, but I'm like, I'm always like, I could just make it. I could use oils and I can just kind of create something myself. So, yeah. um, yes, I want to learn that. And that's, and that sounds like such a great thing to do. Just keep a time of day for yourself, like a little piece of just, you know, not having to be productive and center yourself with your whatever makes you feel good I like that a lot okay what oh sorry go ahead I was just like think of your simple good that's what you should do during that time oh yes <laughs> I do that I I have my mornings that's like my before the kids wake up it's my time I like will I'll listen to like a I just am big on sound baths and guided meditations so I do that I'll do my journal set my coffee and like, you know, that's like my morning kind of routine where I feel like if I don't do that, I'm a little out off and I just don't feel a hundred percent. So I do have a little thing like that, but I do want to do more creating because I really do enjoy that too, but I just never make time for it. So yeah. Yeah. I'm going to make a note of that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know I can't wait till this whole COVID thing or maybe we could maybe we could do set up something it's getting nice out maybe we could do something outside and just like wear masks and be fine Done. all right okay so now I want to ask you some the quick fire questions so um you can just answer quickly whatever comes to mind first okay so uh what is your favorite food or type of food <laughs> I made this really good truffle and mushroom cacio e pepe recently. That's oh, 
Yeah. That's the pasta with uh, with cheese and uh, salt and pepper. Is that right? Cheese, oh. butter, salt and pepper. Okay. And I was like, cheese. I remember I heard of that once. Yeah. <laughs> Everything okay. I have for you in one. It's great. <laughs> that sounds amazing. I want it. Okay. Um, what scares you? What's something that scares you? Oh, that's a good one. Um, haunted houses. <laughs> oh, you cannot do good. that stuff that's so crazy okay every time I go in there I like walk in like really frustrated <laughs> why are we doing this why do we need to do this why do who created this space in the first place? <laughs> I, I I never understood that I feel like I never got I never liked scary movies I never liked no, scary like haunted houses I'm like why do people pay to like get scared I'm like the world is scary enough <laughs> I'm not going to sleep well now. Like, this is ridiculous. Why would I do and pay you for it? <laughs> Just, yeah, yeah I, I'm with you on that. I don't get that. Okay. What is something that people like get um, wrong about you or, or kind of misconception about you? Um, you know, my possibility in my hand or what has happened to it. Um, I think that is the overarching thing that always comes across, even with people that know me, which is ridiculous. <laughs> wow. Oh, I'm so sorry. That just makes me so sad, actually, that people still do that, you know? I don't know. I mean, that's why it's good to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. Let's get it out there and, like, just, I mean, keep this conversation going because it's mm -hmm. important. Um, okay, what, um, is there, like, a difficult moment that happened in your life looking back you kind of are like, I'm glad that happened. Like, I'm, if it didn't happen, like something, you know, wouldn't have turned out the way it turned out. Yeah. I mean, I think when I, the story of me leaving my job to do this full time was difficult at the time, but it was definitely a very serendipitous sign. It was literally, you know, I was growing, I was doing simple good part time for a really long time. And then um, it came to a point where I was serving 200 kids while I was working a full-time job. And I knew I was really, this was my passion, right? And I actually came to work in the morning and just kind of sat in front of my desk and was like, I really need to figure out how to get out of here <laughs> and like make this leap. And then literally that day or like a few minutes later, shortly after I get called into my director's office saying that the department got eliminated and my role is eliminated. I could either take another position or leave. And I just took that as my sign of like, Oh my God. If that is not a sign, I don't, I don't know what is a sign. If that's not a sign. Yeah. Seriously. Oh God, that it is was amazing. Yeah. It was really confusing at the moment. And then, you know, just like literally the week after I jumped right into it, got a co-working space and everything lined up like I got a grant I got an award I got invited to Cambridge like wow. all this stuff and it's yeah it, it was amazing so <laughs> that is so it is so incredible um okay if you could live anywhere in the world where would it be for a year and why oh man so many places like it doesn't have to be forever but just a year uh, so I studied in Cape Town, uh, South Africa when I was in college. So I would love to go back there and be there for a lot longer, for a year at least. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. But I really love Zanzibar and I love, I wanted to spend more time in Italy, love London, like, but I'll start with 
<laughs> you have a lot you have a lot and I all of those places sound amazing I've been stuck in my house for so long like everyone else I'm like just I'll go anywhere <laughs> seriously seriously anywhere I miss planes isn't that ironic like I really I did not like planes. I know <laughs> I used to hate it because especially with kids traveling with kids is the worst and like I used to hate that time from like going through security to waiting at the gate until I could get them in the plane and even then my one kid would always go under the seat and try to like it was always a pain but now yes I'm just like dying until we could go somewhere um hopefully by this Christmas break we'll be able to be vaccinated and we'll be able to travel so that's definitely um on my list. Okay. What, um, what is like a book or a movie that you like love or that you would recommend? Like your favorite. Yeah. Um, or both. Okay. Well, for the, I guess for, um, book, I, I'm like, I said, I'm very like spiritual person. I love learning about history and just kind of um societies in general um and philosophy but there's this one book called the arrow the blue skin god i read it in high school and it's always kind of stuck with me it's by jonah blank um and i think it's a really it's based on the ramayana which is like a hindu um uh, a book based in hinduism but um it's really about society as a whole a much larger context of that so basically the author goes through the journey of the Ramayana again in modern day India, retells certain stories at certain points of this um, locations and then kind of shows the ironies of like these lessons learned and what's actually happening, right? In the society and space. And so it makes us challenge ourselves to think about like, what are the myths that we tell each other and ourselves to frame the context of the world? And how are we actually analyzing that more deeply in our surroundings? You know, how are we actually aligning with these philosophies that we think that are sacred? And why oh are this is so right up my alley. I'm going <laughs> to get this book right away because I'm like, I'm first of all, I'm already in this mode right now where I'm just like all about, I mean, I'm all, I've always been like into like spirituality and everything, but I'm even more so since like being home and just having a lot more time to like think about things and all of this, like, I don't know, it's like decluttering the mind and kind of like getting back to basics and all of like what the pandemic has kind of brought us. But anyway, this book sounds like perfect. And also I, um, I, I studied that in college too, history and religious studies. Oh <laughs> that's what, that's <laughs> my like, that's like my favorite thing to like, I, I, in college, I was like, I'm just going to study what I love and then the, the job will come. And like, you know, I had that mind, mindset um the job didn't come but I definitely got to study what I love which is good because like yeah it was it was this kind of the important stuff I feel like like that's always been of interest to me too just like you um what's it called uh what do you like to do to work out or what's your favorite like exercise type of thing I love yoga um I used to do hot yoga quite a bit but I haven't done that now that <laughs> but I love that and I used to be um also one of the uh doing uh what's it called oh my gosh biking oh my gosh I'm so terrible oh, like uh, like in a like a outside or like in like a spin class like a spin class and oh, then okay. the pandemic I've been biking outside um a little bit around the city and stuff so I've, I've enjoyed like kind of doing biking in a different form a little bit so but I can't wait till everything opens up so I can really get into it. I, I have to admit, I'm not doing very well with my workout routine right now. 
I think so. oh, I know everything it's like it's so hard when you're like in the house all day like to get motivated I swear like the smallest thing like one day can feel like like it could feel like a year but it can also feel like you know just ah, there's tomorrow yeah <laughs> exactly. and it's crazy how you can fill up your time and just kind of avoid doing things still you know what I mean God. that's like, like that is my superpower is like procrastinating yeah. <laughs> for sure um okay and then what about what like what's like a beauty like a beauty secret that you have like any something that you yeah a beauty secret so like the I said shea butter the shea butter <laughs> oh my gosh that, into that in like these natural oils for your face have you done those things before I I I do like oils. I use different ones, but which ones do you like? Because um, I've, I, I like, I've used like rosehip oil and um, a couple of different ones that are like blends, um, like a vitamin C mixed with some other oils. Like, what do you like? What do you I've use? just been like trying different things out depending on how yeah. my face, like what it needs. So like making my own little concoctions and then I've been adding it to Make my them? makeup. Yeah. So you're um, buying like the separate oils and like blending them where like where do you buy them from are you just getting from like whole foods or something or do you get them from a particular like place um no I just like look for the really organic oils and you can get them from like Amazon or whole foods or like a local there's like a local shop downtown that I go to sometimes and then just get like the base oils depending on what season it is and then you know the essentials depending on what your skin need is and then um it's really like Man, I'm so like anti-chemical during the pandemic now. And it's really cleared up my face and just I mean your skin is like your skin is like radiant. That's why I'm like, what are you what's your beauty? That wasn't even on my question list. I just made it up because I was like, I wanna know. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah, man. I think highly recommend it. We should do like a like a video on it. Like we can I want to. I really want to. I'm so serious because I I feel like this is like such an untapped area. I really want to like I want that. I've been wanting this for myself and I feel like why not make it yourself? If it's out, all the ingredients are there. Like you buy like a really expensive thing, which has like 3% of the important ingredient. And you're like, why don't I just make this shea butter and make a hundred percent shea butter? <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's how I started. Cause I was buying all this stuff. And then I was like looking yeah. at the ingredients. I'm like, this isn't even like hundred percent natural. Yeah. And like, you know, you can source the products from more ethical places. So like the, shea butter I get directly from a small village in Ghana so it supports my communities there and then you know the oils that I get are like all like really pure and you know go back to like local businesses and stuff so I even considered starting my own little beauty line but we'll see about that one but I want to like help you promote it I will help you promote it because I want to try them all (laughs) yeah let's do it together add another thing to our list so we can do that noted (laughs) Okay. Oh my gosh. This is, I can't believe it's been like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it's been almost an hour. And I did not, I did not get cut off in the recording. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Um, This is so great. Um, And it's just been so fun talking to you, but I want to make sure we end before this thing cuts me off in the middle. So um, do you have anything, any projects that you're working on that you want to talk about? Anything coming up that we can like share with the listeners and viewers? Yeah, for um, sure. Um, we have like a so our 
our programs are still going on, but they're happening virtually now. So we'll have like a few more virtual youth showcases that we're gonna promote online where kids will be presenting their artwork and sharing their meaning of the simple good. So it's open to the public. Um, and if you guys follow us on our page at the simple good, um, you can learn about it, sign up and come out and support our students. You don't have to leave your room to do it. You just have to log on to Zoom and it's really powerful and amazing. Um, and then we have our summer fundraiser coming up in June called Hunt for Good. It's a street art scavenger hunt that can be done virtually or downtown in person. Um, and basically it's like a scavenger hunt to find the simple good of Chicago. So um, you find murals, like works of art, do um, challenges centered around kindness and um, evoking good in our community. And then teams with the most points or um, solving the number of challenges at the end of the two hours when Hunt for Good Champions 2021. So it's a six oh, year wow. and it's a ton of fun and it supports our art program. So that's um, beautiful. I love that idea. And I like I have to say like the virtual the way that people have been like innovating with the virtual stuff. It's amazing. My son's in Boy Scouts and he did they did a virtual like um what is that derby um oh whatever it's like the little cars they make I forget what it's called pinewood derby and they did it virtually and it was so much fun we all like gathered around the computer and we all watched it and it was very it was very exciting I thought you know you think things aren't going to be as fun virtually but when you're a kid and it's your art on display and people are seeing it I feel like even I mean not even a kid an adult like if mm -hmm. someone's, someone's appreciating your art that's like that's really nice and I think yeah. it'll be beautiful and I'll put all of that um in the links to reach you and to and also to see the events and to fund to donate um below um one really quickly if if somebody's like a teacher or a school that wants to do the program that you guys do how do they would do they just reach out to you or do they go to the simple good and like reach out to anyone in particular yeah, they could reach out to me directly or go to our website, but um, my email is just priya at thesimplegood.com and we can partner with your school to bring the program or teach, train your teachers as well on our program. Um, and it's all based on social emotional learning. So we do do like professional development for teachers that are interested in learning um, more about that and how to bring that into their school as well. So um, it's for both the kids and the teachers. So yeah, we're definitely looking for um, more program partners to help bring our program to more places, especially after this critical time where kids and adults need a lot of support with, you know, the mental health and getting our emotional skills back prepped and primed to where it once was um, so that we can really, you know, get through the after effects of the pandemic as well, because this will affect us for many years to come. So um, we're, we're really wanting to support and um, do what we can to, you know, make sure we can continue to facilitate good even after all this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, you guys are definitely doing that. Well, thank you so much again, Bria. It was so nice talking to you. Oh and God, I'll so be in touch fun. about the beauty product. <laughs> yes, I'm so down. It's so much fun. <laughs> Please come over and we'll do it together. I'll send you recipes. We could do it virtually. It'll be fun. That sounds good too. <laughs> All right. Well, have a good rest of your day. You too. It's good seeing you. I'll see you soon. Bye.